Welcome to the Strut with Chili, TD, and Info Joe. Fans, welcome to the Strut. So we're going to be taking a little time to kind of change things up as we're moving forward here. And what's going to be happening is we're going to have an episode every two weeks. The content will be different as there are no games to talk about, no stats to look at, none of that kind of stuff. But we'll be covering different topics related to our program. Tonight's episode is special. Back in June, TD and I kind of did a practice episode where we went back and sort of interviewed each other. kind of got an idea of like what the first game was like we call it nicknamed it i should say the porch because td was sitting on his porch literally and you can hear crickets chirping you can hear dogs barking i think i even heard like a door opening and shutting while we were talking so we've gone from there to where we are now and again we'll keep trying to progress but the idea everyone is that we're going to go back tonight today whenever you're listening to this podcast um, and, and go back and, and talk about the first ever game in coastal football history. From my fan perspective, from Joe's media perspective, and from Travis's player perspective, we're all three going to put you know our own set of eyes on the same topic and provide for you in this episode our impressions of the first game. We might interview each other as where it may go to, uh, but we just want you to enjoy this really cool topic. We're going to come back and rehash it for you here. We're calling this The Porch Revisited, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, and like I said, going forward, we're going to be every two weeks, so the topics will change, but the excitement and the enthusiasm for coastal football will still be there. And... We hope you share this out with everyone because it's an important part of our history as we are trying to bring in players from different periods in our football history to make this a more complete podcast. We are working on that to bring people in and uh, just have them share what um, what coastal football means, all that good stuff. Now, another part of the toward the end of the podcast will be our first in a set of commentary that we'll all take turns doing. Tonight, I'm on deck first, so I'll be doing the first commentary at the end of the episode. Mine's going to run no longer than six minutes, and what we'll do from time to time is we'll take turns, talk about a topic that's related to coastal, to college football, to sports as it affects us and you. So we want you to enjoy that, and if you have any commentary, you're welcome to share that with us also, whether you agree, disagree, uh, the views in the first one are from me. They're my views and my views alone. So you're welcome to disagree with me or agree with me. Either way is fine with me. We just want you interacting with us and, and sharing your thoughts with us as well. So sit back and enjoy. We have changed gears, and I hope you enjoy what you get because we're going to be changing up our content but not changing up the topic. Enjoy. Okay, Coastal fans, here is your other sports update. We have all basketball. Back on December 19th, men's basketball will drop one to Middle Tennessee State, 84-80, while the women on the same day will defeat Radford, 85-64. Coming back on December 30th after a break, men's basketball will defeat Louisiana Monroe, 94-64, while the women will drop their conference opener to Troy, 91-80. 
on New Year's Day, the men will be in action to face Louisiana. They lost that game 65-64. And then the next day, December 2nd, the men were back in action with a victory over Emory and Henry, 76-62. You're all caught up. Now back to the strut. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's Strut Podcast is brought to you by Chad Lunsford Beer. Are you a college football player who likes a dose of Dutch courage in pregame? Try Chad Lunsford Beer. Whether you're at a tailgate, hanging out with the friends at the house, watching a game, or riding on top of a school bus, Chad Lunsford Beer is a satisfying nip you need. This beer is so potent, it'll get you fired up and fired at the same time. Try one of these selections, Lunsford Lager, Eagle Ale, Wishbone IPA, or just plain bitter. That's Chad Lunsford Beer, guaranteed to have you full Statesboro in no time. <laughs> welcome in, welcome in, welcome in to an off-season edition of the Strut Podcast, a uh, porch session number two. With Info Joe, Chili, and TD, it's uh, gentlemen. We talked about doing this once every two weeks. Here we are live from. I, I'm I'm on the porch. I've got my smooth. Uh, I've also got a toboggan. We've come a long way, Chili and Joe, from uh, August of uh, 21. And uh, I think the last time I was out here, I could hear mosquitoes buzzing, and uh, and and it, I was sweating. But uh, man, what a great year! Uh, Joe, I know you didn't get to join the first session. I know that we did this, and then it all came together about a week or two later. But uh, so tonight, Strut Nation, Teal Nation, we're going to kind of take it back through these every other week podcasts. We're going to bring guests on. We're going to we're going to manifest things and kind of just maybe bridge the gap between day one to where we are now, like we always try to do. But also just kind of bring in some uh, some new ideas, some new uh, new things. Touch on the blog. And dovetail in memories and, and and expectations. But gentlemen, first of all, how was your Christmas? How was your New Year's? I have a two and a half year old. So watching her open not only her presents, but everybody else's presents was great because if you get your gift from like, you know, your brother, your your mom, your dad, whatever, and you've got the gift in hand, and my two-year-old had her stuff opened. And then she's like helping dad dad with his and she just, and she's a pro already guy. I am so proud of my two-year-old. She reaches right in, just starts tearing the paper. Like she's done this a hundred times already. She's throwing the paper around. She's handing the trash to my wife here. This is daddy's present. Take his trash. And she's helping me open my gifts. So just, and I know you guys have kids who are, you know, a little bit older, even older than that, but y'all know what it's like with a little kid in one of those first recognizable Christmases. And that's what we had this year. So I had more fun watching her open and play with her new stuff than anything that I got. And I got some, I was, I was blessed this year personally. Um, but just watching her was enough for me. I'm, my cup runneth over watching Penny open her Christmas presents. I miss those days. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy new year to all had a great one. Very blessed, as Chili just 
talked about his experiences over the holidays and having young kids, knowing what Christmas is, kind of having that realization and then waking up on Christmas morning and opening presents. I had two kids. Um, they're both now, one's 24, the other's 14. And I miss those days. I miss those days a lot when I had to stay up and play Santa Claus and <laughs> wait till they would go to bed and then go where the toys were and drag them out at 1230, one o'clock in the morning, that kind of thing. But uh, it was great. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the bowl experience was awesome with Coastal Football to get out there and win that game and, and win in the way that we did. And then, of course, going into the bowl season and watching, you know, other great bowl games like we have. I mean, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And here we are just past the, the first of the new year right here in 2022. I'm st still enjoying retirement, looking for the for the next thing, having a lot of days off. So got a little free time on my hands until I find out what's next in store. We, uh, we had a lot of the same again, um, had a blessed new year and, um, had a, had a wonderful Christmas, 13 year old, little, uh, little girl. She's not little anymore. God bless. God bless me. She's a teenager now. Um, uh, 13 year old girl, seven year old little boy. So Addison Maddox and then uh, Paxton's 18 months. So we're kind of in between that where, uh, where it's still the, uh, the spirit of Christmas is still very vibrant, energetic, like chilly and, um, and, uh, we, we had a big time here. We had, uh, it was a smaller Christmas, typically my wife's family. The reason I was late, by the way, getting on, getting on the podcast was I had to run out to the fridge. We were low on chocolate milk, by the way, that is a staple at the Danley house. For those that want to do sponsorships, we like chocolate milk. Uh, but, uh, still sitting here, everything's put up from Christmas, which is the first time, uh, we had it, but we start volleyball as, as those that don't know, Joe's daughter. Oh, yeah. uh, my daughter's roughly a year apart, and they play in a lot of the same uh, locations. So volleyball starts for us, or has started for Joe. We'll start for me this weekend in the upstate. So we got everything cleaned up, ready to go, except the front porch uh, garland and the lights. So it's interesting. I still got a little Christmas out here with a little bit of a uh, little bit of Tennessee, Kentucky smooth. But uh, watch the bowl game like 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 Chili did from the confines of the Collins Street uh, Coastal Room, as he did, I'm sure. Uh, wait a minute, we couldn't text you, right? Jilly, that's correct. You couldn't you, text me during the Cure Bowl. I could, that's right. We talked about it in the last podcast, right. but uh, couldn't text you. Man, what a <laughs> what a hell of a ball game. Still, in my opinion, not because it, we're, we're Coastal fans, but I still think to date, uh, considering all things around cancellations and, and, and so forth, um, I still think our bowl game has got to be one of the top three or four in the bowl season right now as far as overall just – marketability, visibility, as well as enjoyability, if that's even a word. Forgive me, Nella Jean Rice. I know that's not the appropriate English you taught me at Coastal. But, uh, you know, I still think it was a great game to watch. It's still probably one of the better ones unless the national championship turns out to be better. There's only been three or four games like ours. What do you all think? I agree 100%. And um, I was just kind of thumbing through for both of you all and for everybody else who joined us in our Capital One Bowl Challenge. I'm holding my phone up, Joe. I don't know if you can oh, see I it. Know. I know. I, I, I can see it here on mine. Are you still um, in the lead? I, I guess you I am still in the lead with um, the game. Tonight is the uh, is LSU Kansas State. That's it. That's the Texas, Texas Bowl, a, right? Texas Bowl. That's right. Um, and then we've got the national championship game. I can still lose it. I'm not planning on losing it. I can't control it at this point either. But at the same time, I have been in first place now for maybe the last five or six bowl games. So I'm pretty psyched about that because, you know, just I'm winning. 
And that's the win. important thing in my world, that I am winning right now. <laughs> Al Davis, win, baby, win. So I will ask you a trivia question, Mr. Info Joe and Mr. Chili. I'm going to play a little role reversal. What has been historically the last bowl game of the year and prior to the playoff? And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting on the bowl game you just talked about because it was something else. What was the last bowl game of the year historically over about the last decade? It was not in this country, by the way. Wasn't the Bahamas Bowl, was it? Mm-hmm. Broke, going, going, the wrong, going the wrong direction. That's an early one, isn't it? That's an early one. Gosh, I'm not sure what uh... – it was. It, everybody always forgot about it because it actually used to be the weekend after New Year's because if you remember the BCS title game and others used to be – and then the National Championship game, originally they were in that week right after New Year's. The International Bowl in Toronto used to be the last bowl game of the bowl season. and uh, But now technically the Texas State Bowl is because the National Championship game is not considered a bowl. It's the national championship game. It's just a game, so, yeah. It's just a game. So the Texas Bowl was technically the last bowl, at least to my knowledge, unless something's changed because of COVID. But the International Bowl in Toronto, Canada, used to be the last bowl game of the year. Could you imagine being a college athlete and you had to wait? And you were six and six and you had to play a damn International Bowl in Toronto, Canada, in hey, January. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Having never been, I couldn't tell you whether I would like it or not, but just having to sit around. <laughs> Hey, TD, real quickly, just to kind of piggyback on what you said, I'll make this brief about the bowl season. I, I think our – and I'm biased, and I'll readily admit my bias. I, I think our bowl game was the best one so far in terms mm-hmm. of excitement from start to finish. There were eight lead changes in that game. No team led by more than eight points at any point in that ball game, and it was it went all the way down to the last two seconds and four yards away. <laughs> And the game ended right then and there in a crazy finish. I mean, there have been some great ones, obviously. You know, I mean, uh, Houston beats Auburn at the end. Army kicks a field goal to beat Missouri uh, at at the bottom. Joe, who was that? Joe, who who beat Missouri? Army beat Missouri. You know, that's that's a G5 over a power five. You know, I mean, had that. And and what branch of the military were you in? That's it, man. Army. (laughs) Army beats Missouri. Kentucky comes back to beat Iowa late in that game. Air Force over Louisville. By a field goal. I mean, the Music City Bowl was as wacky as it could be with the awful end of game management from Tennessee in that game. Should have won it. Should have won it and figured out a way to lose it. But I, I think ours was the best in terms of from start to finish, kickoff to you know the final three zeros on the scoreboard. No, no game I, I thought had the, the ups and the downs and the emotional swings and the pendulums that swung back and forth that ours did. So what you're saying is, Joe, coastal snatch victory from the jaws of defeat yet tennessee snatched defeat from the jaws of victory that's exactly what i'm saying anybody <laughs> anybody that watched that had to be utterly mystified at what tennessee <laughs> was trying to do at the not only at the end of regulation but in overtime it was just mystifying mm. well we got one game I, think left. I had for doing that game by the way i just don't want to toot my own horn but Looking down on you guys in the standings, me being in first. <laughs> and I'm about, to, I'm about to crack open a Chad Lunsford beer and celebrate that. But <laughs> I think I had Purdue in that game. I'm probably wrong. But yeah, I, had you had, I, I had Tennessee. And I, I, knew, I, I knew I was, I was a winner. I, going into the last minute of the game, <laughs> they got the ball. All they need is a field goal. They did about 15 yards, and they took like two or three deep shots in a row. And I'm like – who's calling the play out there? Where's Josh Heifel? Is he calling this stuff? 
What? It's insanity. Just just get 10 yards to kick a field goal. No, oh, cost me, cost me. Let's see. I mean, that cost me 26 points. Appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks. So Chili had the choo-choo boys. He had the old choo-choo. Um, well, you know, and the game tonight for me with um the uh K-State and um, LSU LSU game. This is a 27 pointer for me tonight. So I'm, you know, Woo! Woo! that's right. Woo! That's right. right. Wow. Woo. K-State, 27 points. Oof. I will say, I will say that I don't care how I finished up. The one game that I got right, the most points that could be had in a game, I picked Coastal to beat Northern Illinois, the top, you know, more confidence points than anything else. I, and so it, everything else after that's great. Who had SC, who had SC State beaten? I didn't. I didn't either. I didn't. Well, if, if, if my picks would have gone through, they, I'd have had. I, hey, don't, Buddy Pew. We ain't gonna let. Hey, no, never go against Buddy Pew. Hey, well, how about this? I mean, I know we're we're a coastal podcast, but I mean, all four in-state schools won their yep. bowls this year. That's, That's pretty cool. impressive, man. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I know that the Celebration Bowl is an FCS uh, exhibition game or or bowl, but that is. Uh, well, I was, I was the HBCU uh, national championship. National right championship. There. That that's is a that's thing. pretty impressive, man. Yeah. That is pretty impressive that all four of our Division One schools won their respective uh, bowl games or or uh, HBCU national championship game. To Joe's yeah, point, that's all. That's that awesome. Game, and they had the too, stadium man. in Atlanta impressive. packed. That place I, was packed. That was awesome. They I'll had better what. attendance for that game than a Big Falcons game. No, they had better attendance. I tell you what, they had better attendance. Kudos to both those schools. Um, kudos to both those schools. Uh, they uh, they had better attendance than the damn Peach Bowl game between Michigan State and uh, God, who was that? Michigan State and Dom. Um, y'all help me out. Um, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, two well-known national brands. That place wasn't sixty percent full. And that's a New Year's Six game too. Yep. It's uh, – I think, too, what you're going to see is we were texting off, off podcast during the, during the bowl season, gentlemen. I know we're going to move on to some more important session here in a second, but I think it needs to be doing noted that the bowls need to get away from conference tie-ins because there's no there, – there are certain bowl games, I think, case in point, like what happened to the Gator Bowl, right? Good, bad, and different. I know we were flying, texting around. We got a little sour about it. I know I did about uh, Coastal should have got in there over Rutgers. Um, man, that, that game, in essence, too, that, that is a microcosm of the challenges that they were trying to put a Power 5 school in. Why not just put a marketable G5 school in? Even if they already play. By the way, for those listening, there is no rule against playing two bowl games because at the end of the day, people have to realize something. It is an exhibition game. It is up to the foundations and the TV uh, – the TV agreements like ESPN has on those ESPN bowls, ESPN events, the same people that did, by the way, that did uh, game day here at the house. That's part of ESPN events, Octagon. And they have, they could, we coastal could have gone Marshall, Louisiana could have gone, right? There's no rule saying they couldn't play. The waiver was people that had declared for the draft. Would they be wavered for a week to go play still as an amateur so they could still play. But, that was the only holdup. So let's. I, I had some people texting me asking about that. That's why I wanted to bring it up on the podcast. All of that got taken care of, TD. I can tell you, all of that got taken care of. All of the 
you have the waivers and all of the guys that had, had you know, signed with agents, all of that stuff is taken care of. That that I can tell you. Mm-hmm. It was all done. It was a strictly power got, five move to put a power got five big school league. in there. Got big league. That's exactly yeah. what that was. But you know what? Hey, hey they go, got go, one of the go, worst go, ratings. Go, go, go to my go to the blog at the Strut podcast website and read more about it. I've got some more thoughts there that, uh, that you can go Good, read about, about this. That's a great tease, Joe. Great job. <laughs> That's what they pay. Go check it out the strut.wordpress.com to check out more of Joe's thoughts on this and many other topics. Rules changes, too. Rules changes I'd like to see that I won't get into here. You can go read it. You can read about rules changes for 2022. Got a couple of those there as well. You know what, Joe? That might be something we talk about. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Let's make sure we note that for the, the, the strut podcast nation and Teal Nation that people got to remember, too, there are little minute, nuanced changes year over year or every few years that college football makes like certain things like you can't hit below the knee or what crown of the helmet's going to be. That's one that I want to see done is as an offensive player putting the helmet on. If I drop my helmet, no long tangent, I promise, but I saw it. It happened at the end of the, um, the Alabama game. It happened at that. It happened at a few others where offensive player drops shoulder pad level or helmet. Defensive player maintains his alignment. But it becomes it becomes helmet helmet or crown the helmet because of the offensive player changing his pad level or height, and they call helmet to helmet or targeting, if you will, on the defensive player when in actuality it should have been called on the offensive player or no call at all. That's one thing as an offensive player, as much as we want to protect players, I think that's where right now the instant blade could step in from a rules and regulations perspective and really really get that right. Is if an offensive player drops his shoulder pads below the defensive player's shoulder pads. That is, it is no longer targeting anymore. No more targeting anymore. Helmet helmet can be considered. I saw too many kids have to sit out the rest of the bowl game uh, because of because of that because of that type of play. I don't know if y'all saw that too. I, I saw too many of those where the offense player they and they know what they're going to get away with. They know they can do that. Second thing is Joe had a point earlier this year. If you remember, two quarters max. That way, if you if you have that play happen in the first quarter, you sit out. The second and third, you come back in the fourth. It's unfair that a kid can get a targeting penalty in the second, the last play of the second quarter. He misses the second half and is eligible to come back to the very next game. Yet the same child or same student athlete can have that same targeting call the first play of the second half. He has to sit out that half and the next game. That makes no sense to me. That happened in the Georgia game. There was a player. That's that's, that's, I'm, that's that's exactly chilly. Yeah, there was a guy that was playing happened. for Georgia, and he can come back and play like he did it in the first half, but he can come back and play in the entire game against Alabama because he missed the second half of the game against Michigan. So the kid Is that what you're talking Alabama, about? That, that's exactly. But yet the, the Alabama game, they had a play happen. That kid happened in the second half. Now he can't play the entire national championship game because of. Well, he got to sit the first half. That, that's the first wrong. half. They don't have, they have to sit the entire next game because it happened in the fourth quarter, though. He can't, he, they talked about it. He can't play the entire next game now because it happened in the fourth quarter. I thought, you, I thought it was a one half rule. But if you I get, thought if, it was too. If, if you get ejected in the first half of a game, you sit out the second half, you can come back the next game. You get ejected in the second half of a game, you got to sit out the first half of the next game, come back to the second half. I think that's how that is. I want to, let's, that's something that I'd like to educate our fans on going into next year, certain rules and nuances because, and see, I'm even confused on because the way the announcers talked about it, they literally said 
Does it happen in the fourth quarter? He can't play in the next game. I, 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 that and see right there, I'm like, mm. anyways, I'm off my soapbox on that. That's just ridiculous. Let's I'm talk about the player. porch then. Our, the Let's favorite the part porch. of the house on the Strut Podcast is the porch. Um, TD, I, I did some digging and I went back and looked at our old podcast dates. The date of the porch episode, and I got to fill everybody in on what the porch episode is. Um, on June 18th of 2021, TD and I kind of did a practice show and he was literally sitting on his porch and we were just kind of talking about the first ever game at Coastal. Um, and I'm going to go back Teal Nation, Strut Nation, TD Nation, Info Nation, and I'm going to re-release those. Um, I've got to go back and redo it, for lack of a better word. So there's three episodes, and not everybody can go here because we were exclusively on Spotify for the first three, maybe four episodes we ever did the strut on. So I want to go back and redo those first and foremost, one of those being what we call the porch episode, where it was just TD and I, TD being the former player, me being the fan of the first game just talking about our impressions of the first game, you know, some of the memories we had, um, feelings that we had about the team entering the field, TD being on it, me being in the stands, um, all that cool stuff. But, Joe, you weren't with us. I know you heard the porch episode because we sent it to you just to kind of you know, get your thoughts on it before you were full on with us. Um, but at the same time, I think TD and I were kind of talking, and I think you are okay to, with this too, is – just kind of getting which you know, since TD's on his literally on his porch, and I'm going to take a picture of this because I love that beanie dude. Um, I think what we can do tonight is, Joe, if you want to just kind of take us through and let us ask you a couple of questions about the first game and, and you know what you were you know, your preparation for it, because I know that was a brand new thing for everyone involved, for TD, mm -hmm. for me, for you, for everybody, is maybe take us through. Let us ask you a couple of questions. Maybe we can call this just where TD and Chili interview joe on the porch and just kind of talk about the first game your recollections some of the things that were maybe even some revelations for you that you were not expecting you know those kind of things titty is, is that cool with you what do you think i know we kind yeah, of man, I, it, just then. no absolutely see that's what happened for those that haven't had a chance to listen to that um, chili will, will like you said he'll drop those again but so what was interesting, Joe, to kind of take, you know, we talked about this off off air, if you will, off recording. I don't know if we off air, off recording for Zoom stuff, for podcasts, but um, we reflected back from a time that not really more or less I was recruited and Chile graduated, but we almost kind of started just beyond that, Joe, to where we reflected on literally that entire summer leading up, right? He talked about how he didn't have football when he was at Coastal, Joe. And then I talked about how football wasn't there. You know, I, I had plenty of opportunities. And I say that humbly. I had, I had a handful of other really, really good opportunities to go elsewhere. But I saw the promise and also my my family ties and my ties to my community. And I'm so glad. Uh, I, it was very impactful in my life. I wouldn't be here right now on this porch talking about it if I had not made a decision to, to see that through. I saw it through once before at Carolina Forest High School where – this same exact thing happened. Brand new high school, brand new programs and everything. Chile talked about how Coastal had to reinvent itself a little bit and, and manifest itself in ways to get to becoming a football school. So my first question for Joe is, Joe, when you got the call to become part of the broadcast team for Coastal football, can you remember what went through your mind and your heart about that, that, that opportunity? 
Wow. That's a, you know, Matt, Matt actually stopped in Lugop to, to, to meet face to face. I, I want to say sometime in April or May of, of, of 03 prior to the season. And he offered me a spot to be the sideline reporter. And I, I was like, wow, you know, this is going to be fantastic. And I remember, you know, I, of course, I didn't, I didn't know anybody over there. I didn't know anybody in Conway. I didn't know Coach Bennett. I didn't know any of the players. But I remember going over for the <clears throat> team photo session, which took place on the soccer field. They didn't want anybody. I remember they didn't want, they didn't want anybody on the football field. No, no. I remember this, TD, so I'm remembering this right, right? So they didn't want anybody on the football field. It was, the, the team. It was still seating in. It was still seating in. Well, exactly. They, they wanted everybody on the soccer field to do the, the team photos. And so that's kind of my first – chance to go over and meet, you know, Coach Bennett, and I got a great impression of him. I mean, you know, just seemed like a real down-to-earth guy, just funny, engaging. I thought, I like this guy, you know. I, this, this, this is going to be a lot of fun, you know, getting the opportunity to work with him and work with these guys. And then, you know, the next time I was over, there was game day. I came over the morning of the game, and it was, you know, it was raining. It rained all the way over, and I thought, man, I can't believe the first game that we're going to play is going to be in the rain. This is just going to – this is uh, – well, yeah. September 6th, right? September 6th of 03. Yeah. And I remember getting there and I, and I remember watching, I remember watching people putting the stickers on the seats that the seat numbers were the day of the game. These things were going on the seats there at Brooks. I told that. I told that to uh, Chile. It's crazy. I'm like, Holy mackerel. What, you talking about getting down to the wire of this thing. We've got a seven o'clock kick. We better, we better get these people to understand where their seats are. We better get this thing figured out in a hurry. And, and you just gave me a, a massive dose of perspective because Joe, when you were talking about just them putting the stickers in the seats, I remember I was still in the parking lot tailgating. So chances are while I was snacking or something else pregame, they're putting stickers on the seats before my butt occupies the seat. Yeah. So that's something to think about for you that were at the first game as fans like, like me, while all of us were in the parking lot, while TD was putting on his equipment and getting mentally and physically ready to hit the field, there were people literally running through the stands before anybody sat in those seats, before we could ever occupy the seats to watch us beat Newberry. That's really yeah. cool. I, did, I had no idea, honestly. I just learned something myself tonight. Chili, let's do that. When we drop this, let's ask our fans, tell us one memory from that first game. It could be any memory. Tailgate, game, drive-in, whatever. We can so, have them do it on the talk-back bubble line. There you go. Joe, so leading up to to where we are now, all right? So you're so, – you yeah, so, so, yeah, we get there, and, of course, I got there really early and met with Matt. And, you know, Lane and I had, had – Matt and Lane and I had met each other, and we'd taken, you know, some photos we had from made for the media guide and that kind of thing. And we kind of, you know, got to – you know, talking about what we were going to do and how we were going to handle things. And I would handle a lot of the pregame show and then do, go do the pregame opposing coach interview, which I did for years and years and years before the game. And I, I interviewed Zach Willis of Newberry in that old locker room, the visiting locker room. That's, that's the only time that's to this day, to this day, that's the only time that I have ever interviewed a coach in that locker room. The very first game. Not that that's really important to anybody. Anybody might think that's significant or interesting, but I thought I found it kind of interesting that that's the only time I've ever actually been in there 
to talk to a coach. I've been in there a few other times to, you know, look for somebody or whatever. But anyway, I talked to him and then we kicked this game off and I'm down on the field and the energy in that stadium was just, it was just incredible. I mean, the students were in the, on the grassy hill back there where the field house is now and almost 8,000 people, you know, and then the game unfolded like it did, you know, 14, 14 late in the game. And of course we take that drive 90 some odd yards all on the ground and Terry Talley, takes that thing and hits the pylon and, you know, <laughs> well, was it, was it coming loose or was it not? Who cares? He scores a touchdown. We win the game. The students charge. No replay. No replay. No replay. The students charge the field, tear the goalpost down. I, I still, I have one of those framed momentum. I do too. Cuts I got the, a piece of it. Post back there in, in my, in my back office back in there. And, uh, man, it was just, I can sit here for an hour and we don't have that much time, but I mean, it was just a fabulous Fabulous night, and that's the first time I'd ever been on the field, obviously, to work radio in a college football environment like that. And I just looked around as the, as the kids charged the field. I thought, this is un- – how blessed am I to have an opportunity to do this? I mean, I don't I don't care if you're Ohio State or Coastal Carolina. At that point in time, it didn't matter. This is college football. It was fun. We just won a game. We won our first ever game. These people were into it. I love it. And I, and I was hooked. And from that day, you know, to, to this podcast right now, I, I've been hooked on it. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. It was fabulous. So Joe, being on the sideline in that first game, what were some of your impressions when you, um, cause I know you can hear a lot of interactions between players and coaches and players and players. And you mentioned the energy in the stadium of the people when the team hit the field, all that cool stuff. What's something that you can share with us um, from being on the sideline and hearing the players and coaches kind of going back and forth, what was something that kind of stood out to you that um, you just – it's hard to forget as far as, like, you know, players interacting, coaches and players interacting, just that whole feel on the sideline? Sideline is, is the most phenomenal place to be for a game. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade, you know, being, you know, the play-by-play guy for anything other than being down on the field. I, I was there for 11 seasons. And, and to watch the interactions that you talk of, that you speak of, you know, I mean, there's there, there's never any there's never any panic down there. I mean, teams and, and coaches and players that know what they're doing don't panic. They don't panic in a tough situation. They're they're down there talking to each other. Now they are trying to fire each other up. They'll get in each other's faces. But I mean, you watch the speed of the game from down there too. You, you see how fast some of these guys are running out there, which I don't know that you can really appreciate from yeah from being way up top or wherever else. You, you ground level. You can watch these guys and then and then feel the hitting. You know, when there's kickoff coverage, when, you know, somebody's kicking off the ball and they go down and boom, I mean, they just, they blow each other up. And you're like, man, how does that kid get up from something like that? That's crazy. You know, and, and you watch group, you see position groups go off when they come off the field and their position coach and their coordinators talking to them. And you're trying to get a feel for, okay, you know, they're, they're doing this, we're going to do that. And, you know, you need to do this instead of that. And, you know, watch for this instead of that. I mean, you, there's just so much stuff going on down there, but it's all, it, it's all coordinated. You know, it's all, they, they, they have an idea about what they want to do, right? And whether they do it or not, who knows? But I mean, it's just, it's such a fascinating part of the game. And then if you get to go into the locker room at halftime and kind of watch it too, watch the guys get off their feet and drink some energy drinks, just kind of cool off for a few minutes. You know, I think a lot of times fans think that coaches go in there and just start railing. I, I don't, I don't, I never really saw that to be much of the case. I mean, it's just kind of like, okay, we know what we got to do. They'll get to the chalkboard. We'll do it, make, make some adjustments. You might get a whole, you know, a rah, rah before you run out, but Hey, you know, it's, it's all kind of, 
it, it's just a different, it's a different thing. You know, I, I wish people could get that view of it. Like I was able to get, and, you know, for the first game and just to kind of wrap that up, it, I wish people had the, you know, people could get the perspective of the field and then what goes on down there, you know, during a, during a football game that I was able to have. And of course, you know, TD during his playing career, he knows it. You know, I, I see it from a radio guy's perspective. It'd be great if fans could kind of see everything that goes on and kind of get a feel for what it's like to be there. You know, the listen to you talk, Joe, I was um, having you in my ear, you know, my, my AirPods, and I was just sitting, sitting here and uh, I'm sitting on my front porch and I'm overlooking the front rail and I'm looking down Ninth Avenue here in Conway and I could kind of close my eyes. And as you were talking about, Watching the different position groups going off, and and the coaches in the in the locker room at halftime, and I could I could reflect back on Coach Bennett, and Coach Walker, and Coach Snyder, and Coach Spivey, and Coach Boyd, and that in that crowd right on up to where Jamin Mr. and Joe Moglia, and it's interesting that there's just perspective that people think they go in there, like you said, student athletes, their football teams, just getting their ass railed, right? They're just getting they're getting hammered, right? And they're not, and there's times for that and there's times not for that, right? And But the one question I was going to ask you is, is down on the field, I think people, fans, now this new age, we call it, uh, fan, fandom, fanship, fanatics, We have seen our number one player, not number one player as in best player on the team, but most recognizable player on Coastal's team, had a chance to leave, and he didn't. This question I have for you, Joe, is, is in your 11 years on the sideline and your, your last, was it now, six, seven years up in the booth, what are some things that are transferable that you see student athletes go through trials, tribulations. And they say football's not life. And it's not life, right? It's not life. It's not, it's not war, it's not life. But there are microcosms, there are moments in life that are just like moments during a football game. So I'm trying to get a little deep here purposely. What are some things that you saw in your 11 years with your soles of your feet? shoes, if you will, on that old grass and now that uh, tilled turf. What are some things that you saw firsthand that maybe maybe not all fans would know, maybe not even supporters would know, that, that you could that you take this moment and say, you know, I, I really wish people could see it and hear this. I, I see such a brotherhood. You know, I, I see people that are so bonded by their experience together. And I, and in all my years in the army, I've, I've experienced that too, especially in deployments, you know, you're, you're right there, you're right there side by side with people living together every single day. I mean, you're training together, you're going to chow together, you're doing PT together, you're, you're in meetings and in, in, in what, whatever, whatever it is, you're doing it all together. And, and that bond develops. And it, it isn't just three hours on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. You know, these guys are doing it. It's all the time. I mean, it is, it's in football season. It's out of season. Well, well, I say out of season. I guess there's never really out of season because you're training some way or another. You're weightlifting, you know, you're, you're, you're conditioning. You're, you're out there in the summer doing summer workouts together. It's, it's more than just three hours 
on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening or whatever day of the week it is now. I mean, that's kind of kind of how college football is. But I mean, the, the brotherhood and the, and the bonding that, that people have, you know, not just in football, but, you know, men's basketball, women's basketball, softball, volleyball, whatever it is. I mean, there's just such a, a camaraderie and a bond that is really hard to explain unless you've kind of been around it or been a part of it in some way, you know, and, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned, you know, guys that, that, that play it all the way through and, and, and I'm, you know, Chile may expand on this some you know, during our podcast tonight, but I mean, you, you get all the way to the finish line of something like the end of your career, you got one game left to play, play it. I mean, you're never going to get that back. You're never going to get that back. Never. Once it's gone, it's gone. And I don't know how many players, you know, former players I've spoken with through the years that have come through the program that they, they have, they've, they say, if I could, if I could put the pads on one more time, I would do anything to do it. If I could put them on one more time and get out there to do it, by gosh, I would do it. And that's, and you know, and I, I'm trying to explain it, but I haven't done it justice, yeah. you know? No, and it's, I asked it because it's, Hearing it from a former student athlete, one thing, but hearing from someone else who maybe is a not maybe, but that that's a fan, a supporter, a voice, you know that that can is a curator, if you will, of experiences. Um, and I, I I don't know whether you know, I just kind of conjured up in mind, but jo, Joe's a curator of the experience from field level to box level, and I can't empathize with being in a military type setting. And having what is that? Because people talk about, you know, football is kind of like it, it's human chess. It's a little bit of battle, war, conflict, things like that. I, again, I don't know. I, I've never been in battle war, so I don't ever want to ever compare it to that. But I never would do that because I think that would be an injustice to those men and women who have fought and served our country. But I think people that listen to this podcast, I guess my point and my point of asking the question was, is hearing it from me, oh, he's just an old leatherhead talking about it, right? I think people need to realize, too, that, man, we have accomplished so much in 17 or 18 years as a young program. And that's where I was going with this a little bit is we have come a hell of a long way. And there's so much more in the next two or three years that we're going to accomplish. And I, I know Chili's got – I can tell he's got something he wants to, to put on this. But I, I, I'll say this. For those that listen to our podcast and those that will eventually listen to this session, this porch session, don't ever forget that – it is a unique experience to be a Coastal Carolina Shauna Clear. It is a unique experience to be a part of a program that was once Conway High School's field became a watermelon field, then became a stadium, which became college game day, which became a national top 25 program. It gave someone like Chile who wasn't didn't have football when he was here. It gave someone like Joe Cash the opportunity to go and be a curator of experiences that is Till Nation. It gave it gave a young man like myself the opportunity to be a student athlete, keep my ass out of trouble with – thankfully I had a good family, keep my ass out of trouble in four years and give me a, a purpose and, and, and understand that there's a brotherhood. And that's what I was going to end on is I think in this world where there's a lot of people sensitive around certain things, that locker room is the best microcosm of what reality is because when you're into hour two and a half, of your second practice on a hot August day, man, name but one grace color creed or gender you see, and that's teal, mm-hmm. or that's garnet and black, or that's purple and orange, or whatever that may be. I think that's what we need to remember as fans, as supporters of this university, but just college football in general, because 
Um, I think that's where I was going with this. It's, it's just there is a unique history. Not being a history major like Tilly from Coastal, you know, it's we have to remember there's uniqueness in who we are as Shauna Clears and being in Teal Nation and Strut Nation. There's something where there's a differentiator in who we are versus the status quo of being look being a, being a Tide fan or being a whatever fan like that's that's cool right you're 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 th- th- this is the line I went end on you're a part of history or you can be like us three with this podcast and in various ways to impact communities that we're from and and Teal Nation you are making history literally every day making history like Alabama may win an national title Monday night that's awesome don't get me wrong we'd love to win one but that's like number. 247 that they've won so you know <laughs> they're just part of history they're not making history and i think that's unique to who we are right now in our phase of this university this program all right <clears throat> joe this might be a little uncomfortable but i gotta do this i dug up on go ccu sports <laughs> a photograph wow. Look at Joe Cashin from the original media guy. TD, you're next. I got you too. Joe, Joe, is that a high and tight? Joe, is that a high and tight? I'm glad they can't see that. This, I'll 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 tweet it out. Um, Please do, please do. (laughs) Joe, is that a high and tight? Oh yeah, I think it was. Yeah. So, Joe, here's my question. I, 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 it was fun because TD can't (laughs) stop laughing. But TD, I got you next, man. Don't worry. But Joe, if you could tell the guy in that media guide. 2022 Joe Cashin mm, mm, about mm. getting ready for, and I don't, I don't know if you had it in mind at that time in, tw- in 2003 at the Newberry game to stay with Coastal, working in media. I don't know what your goal was then. And if you want to share that, that's cool too. But if 2022 Joe Cashin talked to 20, or sorry, 2003 Joe Cashin, on the eve of the Newberry game, what's something you think you could go back and tell yourself, you know, those years ago about the experience that you're about to embark on? Gosh, that's a great question. I, I that's a. <laughs> and while you do that, I'm going to pull up TD's picture. So go ahead, Joe. I, you know, I, when, when I got into radio to begin with, it was never to, to be, you know, any kind of big time broadcaster or anything like that. And I, I got into coastal football really because someone, someone else suggested it to me. It was like me, I'm the manager of my radio station here in Camden and Lugo. I said, why don't you look into coastal football? I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, they're, they got football starting. You want to see what the radio situation's like. I said, you serious? He said, yeah, you should do that. And I kind of on a lark and I never really, you know, like I said, after that first game, I didn't, I never had any aspirations really to, to, to go anywhere oh that's 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 beautiful look at that picture td, TD. look at that that family. is that is so great <laughs> look at that huh? oh man sorry Ooh, joe i had to pull it up <laughs> but i you know I, I never had any sort of yeah you know, i never wanted to be and to this day i you know I, I will stay as long as they'll have me i don't have any desire to really go anywhere or be with anybody else or do anything else. You know, if Matt wakes up in the morning and says, Joe, you're fired. Well, you know what? I'll be like, you know, I had 19 great years of doing this and would walk out, you know, proud and head held high and say, you know what? That's, that's great. I've had a night done this 19 more years than I ever thought I would, you know? So can I just piggyback on that real quick? I, I, you made me think of something else and it's, and it's from your personal broadcast history and TD knows where I'm going with this. You had the Liberty leap. <laughs> yep. Do you feel like <clears throat> you had a moment 
I know the obvious answer would be the, the touchdown for the victory. And maybe the moment where our team hit the field together for the first time. But was there ever a moment for you during the first game where you're like, holy crap, we're actually going to – no, no deference to TD, but it was the first ever game TD. And us in the stands were like, oh, my God, we're actually pretty good. Was there a moment for you in the game, Joe, where, like, you had that leap, like, oh, my God, this is actually going to come together and we're going to do well. We got a good shot to win the first ever game. And was there – I mean, outside of the moment of victory and the moment we hit the field, can you think of a time at any moment during the game where you're kind of like, oh, my God, this actually is going to turn out pretty well for the first game? Win or lose, just the product was good. Again, TD, no deference to you. I'm just just, just as a perspective, man. So new no, man, I want to hear it. Newberry had the ball near midfield in the fourth quarter. And I, and I thought, you know what, man, we have hung in here with this crowd and we've got a bunch of freshmen and true freshmen and a handful of sophomores and, you know, a junior sprinkled in here with a Nick Johnson here and there, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we, we got a bunch of young dudes playing with the first time and, you know, under the lights, under the gun, that kind of thing. And Newberry's near midfield near the, you know, midway through the fourth quarter. And I thought, man, if we could just get a stop and get the ball back, I mean, Worst thing we're going to do is 14-14 at this point. But uh, when we got that stop and got the ball deep in our end, and I thought if we could just get a first down, just get a first down out here, maybe we get a first down or two, we can punt that thing away, and maybe we can hold them off and, you know, take our chances. And <sighs> we get a first down, and then we get another one. And, uh, yeah, Perk is running. 97 yards. 97, 97 yards. And, 97 I mean, it was, got, it, was, it was right there when they had the ball at midfield. I thought if we could just – we got to get a stop now. We got to get a stop. Otherwise, they're going to come down here and kick this thing and win it. But, yeah, I mean, that's when I thought we, we got something. We, we got something here in this first game. We got something. We got a chance to win it. You know, I, and yeah, it's D2 Newberry. But, heck, we, well, you know, we were just a bunch of – like I just said, a bunch of young dudes, man – Coming together for the first time, and it was it was New, a phenomenal thing. Newberry too, Joe. Of course, they had they had some they had some D one talent well, out there. That's well, D one talent so around out there. I touched on that in the very first sports yeah. session, and Tommy Zimmerman was one. Yeah, Tommy Zimmerman. People people from South Carolina remember, remember that name. Tommy Zimmerman played at Tommy Zimmerman played at. It's getting cold out here in the porch, boys. <laughs> Tommy Zimmerman played at Marlboro County. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then he went on to Clemson, if I remember correctly. Or is yep. it South Carolina? It's Clemson. Clemson. So he was one of about a dozen transfers from D1 schools. I'm not kidding. I exaggerate about a dozen transfers. You're right. You're absolutely right. We had we had no we had no seniors. We literally had three juniors, Nick Johnson, Brandon Jeffcoat, and there was was Trice. I think Trice and, and Maurice Simpkins were. Yeah, we had four juniors, true juniors. Was, then, Le- was Les Rice a junior that year? Les Rice, Les Rice was a junior. That's why. Okay, and, yeah. And that, and everybody else was freshmen, sophomores. True, true, like true, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, couple sophomores. And so, so, team, so, 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 here you go, real quick. What, what is, what is Brandon Jeffcoat's claim to fame? What's his claim to uh, fame, TD? Trivia question, TD. There's a trivia question for tonight. That's your trivia question. What is his claim to fame in coastal football lore? Meredith Taylor? <laughs> Do what? I, I don't, he married his wife Taylor? I don't I can't. No, wait, let me see here. Um, think, think think about this one. <laughs> it wasn't a Newberry game, was it? No. Nope. It wasn't a Newberry game because no, Newberry game. This is about ten games in, nine or ten games in. Oh, wait a minute. We were six and five. So ten games in, we'd have ended with Charleston Southern, 
and or Gardner Weber Liberty. Now, wait a minute, Davidson? Was it a Davidson? Ah, you're cooking uh, there. You're starting to get warm. It was at Davidson because that was when Pat Hall went absolutely bonkers that game. Uh, God. What did Brandon Jeffcoat do? Did he? <laughs> you want to say it. You, you want to say it. It's, say I, it. I, I, not, not, not a catch the first. Um, it wasn't a catch the – Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, he, ca- he called the first touchdown pass. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, That's he right. did. Damn, it took us 10 games. It took 10 <laughs> games in, nine or 10, whatever I mean, the Davidson game was. Uh, That's right. That's also right. Also, it was a matter of just um, for people who are casual fans of our show, TD was a receiver at Coastal. I never caught hey, – I can also tell you my stats. I'm okay <laughs> with that. I caught two passes. I returned one punt. I had three <laughs> tackles. and But I had more touchdowns, spring and blocks, and I did all that combined. Uh, and I'm okay with that. So. For what it's worth, when you asked Joe that question, I thought about the first game too. And I said, what was I thinking about that first game? And it's still what I have today. Be 100%, 100% of the time, and leave no regrets. When you asked me would I change anything in my playing career, would I transfer schools knowing I'd have played elsewhere more, I have no – desire to put the pads back on because when I walked off the field my senior year, I knew for four years I gave 100% of myself 100% of the time. And I and, and look, that there's – I have no desire. I mean, I say I have no desire. I'd love to always go back and play, but it, I, I'm not one of those. I never – You have no regrets. I, You're done. I have no regrets yep. because I can honestly go. say I didn't score a touchdown. I'm okay with that because – I have three championship rings that I was part of a team that nobody can ever take that away from. I'm part of a foundation that nobody can take that from, just like you gentlemen are as a fan, as a broadcaster, as an alum. Um, You know, I met a ton of guys now who are still brothers to me, again, from all walks of life. And, man, the older you get – when Chili asked you that question, I thought about myself, and I saw that picture Chili put up, and I went, what would I tell myself then? I'd look myself dead in the eye and go, dude, do exactly what you did. 100%, 100% of the time, no regrets. So when you hang that helmet up, which technically <clears throat> I have to admit something maybe on podcast, the helmet my senior year is sitting in my house. I think I pretty much owe Coastal $200. But, <laughs> 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 hey, I walked, I walked home with it. And, uh, but, uh guys too i think i paid for it and all the stuff that i've bought from coastal as far as merchandise goes so we can call it square at this point td we'll call it square it's all good i i I think it's interesting man it's um how how different perspectives but chill i think you had a question for joe well i mean joe i think i mean and this might be a a wrap-up kind of question because i honestly i would love just to talk to joe about nothing but the first game, first season, maybe in, in some future episodes that followed this one. So, man, I feel like we're kind of scratching the surface. And I know, Joe, you probably want to ask TD and I stuff, too, to kind of, you know, blend it together, too. But, Joe, I was just – I was telling TD in the porch episode that we did back in June that there's some there's certain things that I think about when I reflect on the first game. And it, it, there's sensory things 
that come to mind. And you'll, you may laugh at this. And TD, I, I see you nodding your head because I remembered our discussion on this. But there were some sensory things that come back to my mind when I think about the first game. And that's walking into the stadium. And I wish we still did this, but the drum line and the band were playing pregame. Like they were on the field already. They were doing some songs. The drum line was – and it, it sounded like a college football game. Mm-hmm. So I'll never forget how that yes. sounded. Um, I'll never forget how the stadium smelled, meaning that damp, wet grass as we walked in and, and that. And I can, you know, like if you smell something and if you have your mouth open, you can probably taste it a little bit too on your, on your tongue. So I remember that sense also. Um, But I also remember some stuff that was post-game that has stuck with me forever. And you're, you both y'all may laugh at this, but this is the honest to God's truth about my reflections on that first game. And even that first season, because I got into a little ritual um, when I'd get back home from church on Sunday David Bennett's show with Rich Crampanis would be on. So we'd watch the highlights from the night before. I see TD already laughing. He's where I'm going with this. So I'm thinking about hearing the, the, the marching band. I'm thinking about the smell of the grass. And now what I'm tasting every time I think about that first season of Coastal is Chinese food. Because I'd go get some Chinese food at this really good place down the street from where I live in Polly's Island, come back and watch that game. So I've got the taste of General Sal's chicken with Coastal football. It's funny, but Joe, my question for you is, can you think of some sensory things that come to your mind just as like those impressions that you'll never get, like, what you smell, you taste, you felt on you? Just, and I know you've got some probably pretty good ones as far as smell being on that sideline, being close to Travis, but is there some stuff that comes uh, to mind <laughs> that is just sensory things that, that come to mind as you reflect on that game, even that first season that just you, you, never, you won't forget this you know, I don't know if it's necessarily unique to the first game, but just being down there on the field. I mean, for the first time, you know, that night and just so much going on. I mean, there's there's so much happening. You know, there's just a lot to to you know to take in. And, and you're talking about sensories. I, you don't have enough senses to be able to you know to, to keep up with you know what's going on on the field, what's going on beside you, what's going on behind you. You know, what's going on? What's coming out of the loudspeaker? What's going? What, what are you listening to in, in your headset? You're, you're listening to match play-by-play call. All that's all the stuff's going on. You're trying to keep up with it all, and, and you're trying to, you know, to be be a, a a third set of eyes down on the field to try to help help the guys upstairs. You know, while you're also trying to figure out what's going on, you know, to your left or to your right, wherever I would be at any, any given time on the field. You know, when somebody may have come off a little dinged up, you want to find out what's going on. You want to find out what Coach Ben is talking to that official about over there. You know, yeah. You know, what 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 are these guys talking about over here? What are these fans hollering about back there? What are those students? And you know, what what are they what are they chanting down there? I mean, it's it's, it's, all, it's sensory overload, but it's. It's you know that first game, but that was really like so. That's what it's like to be on the field. This is what it's like to be on the sidelines. I never, I never done sidelines in, in high school. I'd always been play by play, but you know, it's, there's just so much to take in, and man, you're just exhausted. You're exhausted by the time it's all over with. But it's it's a good, it's a fun exhaustion. I'm I'm sorry. I keep I I put my finger up because I just started laughing because Joe, I don't know what you said, but for some reason I I have to bring a little levity through this experience for everybody and I'm I have to but there are some funny <laughs> there's some funny things that we need to talk about the first game that I, I love going to memory lane mid down memory lane but there are folks that are going to laugh at this when they hear this but I remember out of nowhere I don't know what it was Joe whatever you just did it, it, a neuron just fired off my head I remember doing 
fade patterns on the sideline, warming up, right? Going through our fade. One, two, three, four. Duh, 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 duh. I hear Coach Bobby, you know, release. You release. You catch the ball. I'm coming back. I remember flicking the ball to one of the ball boys. And, and Thig and I always had a ritual before every game. And that started then. He and I would always – for whatever, we were locker mates. I was number 15. He was number 16, for those who don't know. His mom – um, passed away from cancer. My mom went through cancer. So the four years that we were there, he was one of the folks, and I, I still admire him for that. Uh, my junior year when my mom went through cancer, um, he was one of the first in the locker room to put his arms around me and, and cry with me and, and talk about his experiences. We had this little thing. We'd always go out before game time, and we'd always just have a few minutes to throw and, and catch. And But the levity piece is <laughs> – we're in the warm-up line before the game. I look over, <laughs> and I see this man in a massive freaking blaze orange blazer. I said, who the hell is that guy? He said, I don't know. Somebody comes over and goes, that's Bob damn Brooks. He's the one to put his name on the stage. I said, could he not find a better damn jacket? <laughs> I look over and said, damn. That's the ugliest jacket I've ever seen. And for those who don't remember, he owned Hooters. That was Hooters. I'm like, damn, is he in a Clemson game, boys? Hey, TD, here's something you didn't get to experience going into the stadium, (laughs) if I can jump on that for a second. My brother and I sat together the first season up in the uh, teal-colored seats before we moved down to Section 105 where we sit now. And as my brother and I are walking in, we see Hooters girls standing outside the stadium (laughs) promotional obviously because they're not going to be cheering they're not anything else they're just standing there and there's a big hooters um uh big balloon yeah. close to um i think maybe it was in the baseball outfield possibly maybe they were the but, hooters um, out right you talking about the hooters right. out was that the yeah. blow up yeah, yeah. so I, I remember that and my brother turned and, and if you don't know my brother he is hilarious and he's got these really good one-liners um he looked at me as we we're walking in and he's like man we've got hooters girls we got you know brooks stadium and we know the brooks family they're from my hometown area so we know them personally um and he's like we got the big balloon i mean he goes it's only a matter of time before we go big time all we got to do is just have hooters show up every saturday we're gonna have this place packed (laughs) (laughs) hey big sponsor man big sponsor back that's naturally fresh and hooters oh my god every commercial joe every commercial for every radio commercial you and I'm, and I'm gonna mess the tagline, so I'm not gonna quote it directly, but it was like, you know, Coastal Carolina football brought to you by naturally fresh salad dressing. And I'm like, that you get that at Hooters. I know who that is because his farms, where I'm from, were the ones who fed naturally fresh. You know, I even use it in my economic class. I was teaching economics about, you know, supply and, and, and running an industry. So I don't know what you're talking about because I remember that naturally fresh tagline oh, yeah. mm-hmm. in every radio broadcast. Hey, was on they were there. giving it away at the locker room, by the way. Hey, at the end of the games, they were giving away naturally fresh everything. And oh, yeah, I'm sure they were. Sure they were. <laughs> hey, on a serious note, though, the one thing I remember is – I talked about this, Joe, and, and, and I don't know, were you there Friday nights before the game? Were you there at all, Joe? No, typically, typically early on so, it's not. So, I remember one of the neat things was this is how – for those that listen to this, this is this is the humble beginnings we came from. And I know that we're getting down to short time here, but I remember the wives of all the coaches after our team meeting the night before the game, 
and, and chapel session. I remember we'd come out, and they don't do this, by the way, anymore, but because um, <laughs> it's Domino's. But Domino's was a sponsor, Naturally Fresh was a sponsor, all those. But all the wives and the mamas of the team would be out there, and they would hand out two pieces of pizza for everybody, and they'd be ripping cardboard. They'd be ripping the tops off the Domino's boxes and handing us pizza and napkins and plates and putting it together best they can. And I just remember Ma Bennett was always one of those that was there. She gave every every kid on that team a hug, every kid on that team a kiss on the cheek, told her she loved her, didn't matter where they came from, just happy they were here. I think people, fans, teammates, I think we need to always remember now that's that's where it started from. Little things like that, man. Little small, humble beginnings where this top twenty-five program again came from in that same locker room, visiting locker room was our team meeting room, if you will. And uh didn't 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 have pads for everybody the first year. And we, we went from there. See, you were allowed two pieces of Domino's pizza, because literally that's all we could afford. I'm not I'm not I'm not exaggerating. Two pieces of Domino's pizza for everybody. One cheese, one pepperoni. You got a hug and a kiss from Ma Bennett, Miss Mel, and God bless them both. They're in heaven now. And uh, but that was that was something I'll never forget. They were always there before every game. I feel like we should take what we've done so far and and maybe revisit some more porch stuff and just ask each other questions. Maybe in the next episode or a couple from now because I I know the people who were around for the first season. Love hearing this stuff from us, but I also realize that people who were not around Coastal at that time, some of our newer people who we welcome, the bandwagon's always open here at Coastal. Um, I, I feel like people who were not around in 2003 are going to benefit from this history because I've always said, you know, for me personally, I've, I've heard people who are fans of different programs and our fans who always want these traditions to come up and they try to, to manufacture them like, hey, why don't we say this on third down or why don't we stand up here on this, whatever, and say this on first down in the stands. One thing I like about what we're doing and rehashing some of these memories is it allows those traditions to manifest organically. Like it just, it gives it a chance to become something that we are, something that we can hang our hat on that we can identify with and, and rehashing the history and going back and looking at it, even taking what I guess we call it a deep dive. I don't know if that's the right term for what we're doing on this, but going back and doing like a deep dive into this, for example, kind of helps you go back and get perspective number one. But the second part is you're, you're building that history and that tradition, because even though we have a super young program by everybody else's standards that are around us, we've got a lot of things we could, we can be proud of. And I, I really feel like, Going back and looking at the history like we did tonight and just letting it kind of, I don't know what the word is, just kind of letting it flow. Flow, flow yeah. Is just, you know, just giving it a chance to, to create itself and, and have those traditions and stuff like that, how some teams will touch the rock like Clemson does or the game Gamecocks do 2001. Other people do this when they run out or when they celebrate, that kind of stuff. We're, we're still learning ours. Well, I think this is the 19th or 20th season of coastal football. And there's some things that are going to happen down the line that stuff like this history reflection of our program, I, I hope it helps it because I, I love being able to point to and saying, hey, this is something that coastal does that no one else does because we've had this foundational um, reflection just to kind of go back and look at it. I just, that's just my two cents on 
on the creating that tradition and, and TD, your stories about like Ma Bennett and Mel Bennett handing out the pizza and, and Joe, you talking about the, the stuff that you witnessed on the sideline and my experiences as a fan, that's, that's got to come together. And I think that's what our podcast, I hope does a purpose for also. I just wanted to throw that in because I feel like I, I feel good about what we said tonight about the, uh, that first game and Joe, what you shared with us. I think that's all really just, I mean, I learned a lot from you tonight, Joe, just what you shared and your experience and how you got from, you know, where you were to where you are now, as far as coastal broadcasting goes. Well, I appreciate that. It's been a total blessing as we hit our 20th season coming up in 2022, you know, we just finished season number 19 and, you know, you asked the question a while ago, I mean, what, what would, you know, I guess what would 2021 as 2003, I mean, what would, I, you know, wouldn't be, wouldn't be any different for me. I've been, been blessed to be along for the ride and it's been so much fun, been able to see a lot of things and, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of go back down memory lane and, and remember the, the beginnings of, of where it all got started to, to where it is right now. You know, it's just, it's been a phenomenal ride, been a phenomenal ride and then been fun to, fun to kind of go back through these things with you guys. And I uh, can't wait for the next time we get to get to do this. Um, I've got some stuff I need to share out, too, as far as social media. Y'all ready for the Twitter results from our last um, yep. Twitter poll? The question last time was about coastal-themed Christmas gifts. Your four choices were um, you had uh, Grayson McCall's urine dye kit, shrimp's Christmas CD, Isaiah <laughs> Likely's blocks, or Silas Kelly's turnovers. Um Shrimp's CD, Likely's Blocks, and Kelly's Turnovers had 14, 13 or 14 percent of the vote. With 59 percent of the vote, Coastal Teal Nation, Strut Nation wants to buy their loved one a urine dye kit. So I like it. I like it. TD, I think I like that's it. pretty cool. I think because we we laughed, we laughed about that last podcast, but I didn't think it was going to be by that much. I thought it was just kind of I just threw that out there just on a on a whim, and that's the one that ended up winning. So that was kind of funny. By the way, we let me tell you something. The first teal I piss teal hat, t-shirt, socks, speedo. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I saw shirts are out there. Hey, I saw shirts are out there. Jamie won. Jamie wore one and said, "I." I pissed it. Let me tell you something. I just want a flat bill teal hat with a white rope that says piss. <laughs> well, TD, let me speak on that for just one second. Uh, teal Nation, Strut Nation, y'all don't know this, but we were texting each other leading up to this episode, challenging one another to come up with a cocktail that yes. might be able to be called Teal Piss. Sean Kobus needs to come up with one of Crafty Rooster. Well, I put one together. I want to there see what y'all think about it. I've got a recipe. Y'all want to hear what I got? Oh, Lord. TD, you, you might want to try this at home. All right. Blue curacao. Okay. White rum, pineapple juice, Ooh. crushed Ooh. or cubed ice, and garnished with an orange. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and let me say go? this. The orange, let me say, because you kind of get a, a teal color when you mix in the rum and the blue curacao. But I also want to include that orange. Uh, Y'all can see the hands. <laughs> Circular orange on the side of the glass. Because you got the teal, right? And we know what teal and bronze represent for our school colors. But the orange is the bright sunlight. Let me, let me, let me, let me go, let me, let me go on. with one. Let, let me add, oh, well, how about you go with like a, uh, 
how about you go with almost like um there's a there's almost like a black pomegranate that you could kind of get a pomegranate slice and put on there so you oh, have the okay. teal with the black pomegranate just I like it can, can we change out the room for vodka um i went it with is, rum because i'm more of a rum guy than i'm vodka i don't mind changing it and maybe you could do like different versions of it too and maybe like this is uh td's hey you piss versus chili's you know, piss. you know what you, you know what you, you know what you know what they do down the state for, right? they just they just, take a, they just take a bush light and put teal dye in it and you know that just basically you go full statesboro with teal piss nice um, quick shout out to Jeffrey Gunner and Isaiah Likely. They have been invited to the NFL Combine. Yeah. I saw that on social media. Um, shout out to Big Game Boomer's Twitter feed. Um, this past week, he recognized or they recognized, um, let me see, it was Chad Staggs. They recognized Willie Korn and Coach Chadwell in three separate national tweets. They recognize Coach Korn as the top offensive coordinator, Coach Staggs as the top defensive coordinator, and Coach shh. Chadwell as a quarterback guru. Oh, shh. Let's keep those <laughs> secrets right here in Conway. Let's just keep those secrets right here in Conway. Fair like, enough. What's, what's talked about on the porch stays on the porch. Even though we want lots and lots of listeners to the porch, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. We're That's all I have left there. of the social media shout outs. So I'll go ahead and do that. And I'll let you guys, we got like a couple of minutes left here. So um, you can follow us on at the strut podcast on Twitter and Instagram, uh, our Facebook page, the strut podcast. And if you want to catch our blogs, um, Hey, remember what coach Bennett said about that? Y'all remember that one? People were awful. Blogs, on, them oh, blogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on our blog oh. site, <laughs> the strut podcast.wordpress.com. And you can check out what we're saying as far as what we're writing about in relationship to coastal football. Guys, y'all got anything in the time we got left? No, just great to be back. Great to have a new year. And I hope everybody has a blessed and bountiful 2022 and look forward to the next time we get together on this thing and go check out the blogs, go check out the the writing that uh, we will do in addition to what we will expound on here on the, on the audio piece of the strut. Yep. I'll end this. Here's the question of the offseason leading up to our 20th season. What would 2022 ask 2003? And what would 2003 tell 2022? Let that sink in. Let that sink in a little bit. I, I like what – I can't remember if that was Joe or Tilly who said it. But what would 2003 tell 2022 or vice versa? I think that actually is a very neat question. Well, until next time, guys, shots up. Shots up. Y'all have a great one. Teal Nation, Strut Nation. This is the first foray into an individual editorial. Like most things on our podcast, this segment, as well as others, are a work in progress. Each of us from time to time will take a few minutes to speak on a topic that's on our minds. You may even hear one of us argue one thing and another member of the show take a different side of the topic. These views are the views of me, Chili, and not necessarily the views of the entire show. The Strut Podcast welcomes any discussion pro or con on this topic and welcome any messages left, social media posts, or any other contact to our podcast. Friends, a dangerous trend has developed 
in college football over the last few years. Many college stars have chosen to sit out their team's bowl games at the end of the season to protect their draft stock. This is done so to save a potential NFL career, keep a high draft pick, and prevent potential life-altering injuries. Historically, players like Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey have foregone their bowl game to protect millions of dollars. This past season, Kayvon Thibodeau of Oregon, Kenneth Walker of Michigan State, Kenny Pickett of Pittsburgh, and Chris Olave of Ohio State all chose not to play in their bowl game this past season. While it is the obvious choice of any player not to play, it will be the point of my few minutes here to argue against this growing practice. Recently, ESPN analyst and former Ohio State quarterback Kirk Herbstreit claimed these players don't love football. He argued that those games were perceived as, quote, meaningless. He even turned to co-host Desmond Howard, a former player in Michigan, and said the following, quote, Des, we played in meaningless games. I just don't understand. If you don't make it to the playoff, how is it meaningless to play football and compete? Isn't that what we do as football players? We compete. So I don't know if changing it, the college football playoff format that is, and expanding it, is it going to change anything? I really don't. I think this era of player just doesn't love football. While he walked back some of those comments in a tweet later, the message was clear. Player skipping bowl games have become the norm, sadly. They have made bowl games, whether directly or indirectly, meaningless. These meaningless bowl games, when skipped, do allow players who don't normally start and or play to get valuable playing time and practice time. However, it soils the experience for the rest of the players as they leave the team in a lurch. The players and coaches and other members of the teams depend on the team's performance for their livelihood. And in a day and age where many big-time programs hire and fire coaches based solely on wins and losses, the ripple effect becomes much bigger. A sadly antiquated concept of this practice is the idea of commitment. Not the commitment to the aforementioned list, but a commitment to the university. Thousands of dollars yearly are invested in a player who in turn provide exposure, excuse me, exposure for the university, pride in the alumni base, attendance at football games, and other financial advantages for the school. These financial advantages can, but not necessarily give schools, an opportunity to provide for the student body. And it must be said that a packed house on Saturday doesn't guarantee academic programs as educational finance can be complicated at times. It can be said these funds coming into a school are still beneficial. While NFL management and coaches are focused on winning and winning titles, they're also committed to developing players who are committed to the process the coaches lay out and plan the career the agents have for their clients. As an NFL executive, and I realize I'm not, I would have a difficult time drafting a player who did not finish the job. A player commits to the school, the coach, or for the program for whatever reason. As the end nears, after so many reps in practice, hours in the video room, lifting weights, and bonding with teammates, 
I would question a player who spent all that time only to drop their team with a handful of hours left in their collegiate career to not play in one last game. It sends a message of a lack of commitment to the team and a commitment to self that only feeds the me culture these days. This growing sad trend across the landscape of college football is exacerbated by the name image likeness rules that have come into play this past year. Let it be said that no one on our podcast would behoove any player in college football from making money by doing what they love. The practice of skipping the bowl game, a game that is often the goal for the end of the season, be rid of nothing more than meaningless is a sad state these days. To skip out on the final game on the team, not the individual. The team can be disheartening for a fan base and other players. This is Chili from the Strut. I welcome any and all commentary. Thank you for listening. Fans, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Strut. So uh, two weeks from now, we're going to see you again, hear you again, hear from you again, whatever applies. I have no idea at this point. We're just winging it. So check back with us in two weeks. Remember, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at The Strut Podcast, our Facebook page, The Strut Podcast. You can find us on our blog site, thestrutpodcast.wordpress.com, and you can see all the cool editorials we put up. Uh, Joe and I have been putting up some regularly. You also can see my commentary in text form on that site as well. So we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll see you in two weeks for more coastal football content here on The Strut. Thank you for listening.